Father in heaven, we thank you for the message of the cross, the promise of the new covenant, that we can have a new heart and a new mind. Uh, you know our, each of our hearts, you know our special needs as to uh, keeping balanced and, and keeping uh, the right focus in our lives. We pray that you would assist us today as we talk together and share together that we will be uh, drawn closer to you. We will have a sense of our purpose and also know that of your goodness and your mercy and be encouraged uh, together we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well the title of our uh, breakout session is The Well-Balanced Mind and the subtitle Maintaining a Peaceful and Ordered and you'll see that I added family life in a chaotic and demanding world. You know, I did that because I was convicted that it's one thing to think that you're balanced in your own personal situation, in your practice, in your ministry. Uh, but where if, once you have a family, it's a, it's a uh, group um, endeavor. And the, the, the nature of the balance can change, and we can talk... Uh, about that, but that's why I put a couple. We put a couple families up here, friends of ours who visited. Um, and you're welcome to. By the way, you're welcome to come by too. If you're ever in California, uh, you're driving north or south on I-5, and you pass through Mount Shasta, between uh, Medford and um, Redding, Calif uh, Redding, Redding, California, and Medford, Oregon. You're welcome to stop by, and uh, and and see us. Now, can we get any louder on this? <laughs> Speaking of balance. So, well, we'll just have to speak up and, uh, and go on here. Uh, a couple of uh, Spirit of Prophecy thoughts, I think, to anchor us as we move into the discussion. Uh, the first from, uh, first volume of the testimonies. Health of body and soul comes from seeing... Christ and His redeeming power through the merits of His blood. So spiritual and mental health comes from where? Seeing the cross, seeing what God has done for us. That's the foundation of all mental health and balance. And then secondly, when the Bible is made the study book with earnest supplication for the Spirit's guidance and with a full surrender of the heart, as we were hearing about this morning, a full surrender of the heart, uh, to be sanctified through the truth, all that Christ has promised will be accomplished. The result of such Bible study will be well-balanced minds. So that's Rembrandt's Paul there. And Paul was a student of the Scriptures and gave us, uh, through the Holy Spirit, more Scripture that we can enjoy. Well, why do we go into health care? When we're young, we want to do what? This is our son, William. This is a picture taken on top of Mount Shasta, about 14,500 feet or so, something like that. Well, we have motivation, right? We want to do things, do things for God. We have, a, we have to develop a certain amount of determination. We decide we're going to go somewhere in life. We want to be of service. How many of you uh, remember the application you filled out for medical school or dental school and the types of questions that were asked? Why do you want to do this? Did you have to, I had to write an essay. Did anyone else have to write an essay? You know, please tell us why you want to uh, be a physician. Well, all of these things are good. We want to do good things, and we 
apply ourselves in our studies, we develop these habits, and we, we see that we're, um, we want to see ourselves progressing, but as life goes on, and, and each stage is different, how many here are, is there anyone here still in uh, school? No? One? Okay. Uh, anybody in residency or postdoctoral training? No? Everyone else? Okay. One or two? Okay. Uh, most people are actually in practice, but you can think back in your experience to the, the different challenges that come at each stage and the responsibilities that come. And the higher you climb, or the more you take on, the, the more you accomplish, uh, the more risk there is in losing your balance, right? You don't want to lose your balance when you're uh, at a great height, uh, physically. And as we take on more responsibility, uh, there's also issues there. If anyone has anything to share, including my wife, Patty, who's beside me, <laughs> please uh, jump right in. What, is it, what does it mean to be well-balanced? Here's a medical definition from the medical di dictionary. It tells it even how to spell it, how to use it, but nicely or evenly balanced, arranged, or regulated, such as a well-balanced diet. So we think of you know, the right amount of protein, the right amount of carbohydrate, the right amount of fat, or from an emotional or psychological standpoint, untroubled. Now, when you have patients come to see you in your practice, are they troubled or untroubled usually? They're troubled, right? They're not at a state of homeostasis or they're not happy with how something is out of balance and they'd like help. So in our thought process as we go through this um, sharing time together, that's kind of how this is arranged. You know, we each have a story. Um, we each have a chief complaint, if you will, or things that we feel that might be out of balance. Uh, we try and do some sort of objective assessment, um, or others can help us do that. You know, what is, uh, what's, what's out of balance? Then we try and pull in the resources and say, well, what is available to apply to this? How can we maintain or, re or restore balance, right? And then, you know, what specific steps are we going to take to do that in, in our situation? And you, you're familiar with that process, are you not? In health, health providers are always doing that. Dentists, doctors, you know, you're identifying the issues and what have you. Um, there is research out there that points out that in our own lives, in the, in the life of the health professional, uh, the, the proportion of doctors and other health professionals showing above threshold levels of stress has stayed remarkably constant at around 28%, and that's cross-sectional or longitudinal studies compared with about 18% in the general working population. So there's objective evidence that our professions lend themselves to be having higher levels of stress and feeling imbalanced. Uh, here's a picture of my father and his uh, second wife. My mother passed away about 10 years ago, but my my father, I don't put this here because he exhibited a lot of signs of being stressed out, but for the contrary, that he, he's a general surgeon uh, in semi-retirement, but he carried on a busy practice, both in family practice and surgical practice, and seemed to maintain uh, a balance such that all three of us, his sons, some of you may know George and Tim, we all went into medicine. At least we weren't scared off of doing that. He, he, didn't, he never compelled us to do that. But 45% of healthcare providers are reporting that most of their days at work are quite or extremely stressful, 
uh, in Canada at least. So I don't know if that has any political undertones or not. And that's 2003. I don't know if it's higher or lower in this country or what it will be in five years compared to what it is now. But that's just uh, more information. So what's your day like? What uh, clamors for your priorities? Um, it's important to have devotions in a prayer life. When you get up in the morning, um, if you have a surgery schedule, anybody surgeon here? How many surgeons? You have a surgery schedule starting at 7 or 7.30? Um, you know, are you going to get up at 3 or 4, do rounds, do your devotions? Uh, your, our spouses are so important. Um, they're part of our team. They're, um, we're part of their team. <laughs> we have children. We have patients that demand our attention. So even when we're trying to be outside and enjoying uh, life, we get accosted by various uh, challenges. We have finances. Sometimes we have hobbies that cost money like horses, or we have other financial stresses. We have a church that we want to support. We have um, vacations that we need to take so we can uh, be with our families. We have extended families, maybe parents that are older and needing uh, care. Um, we have friends that we want to stay in touch with. How do we balance all of these uh, priorities in our lives? Well, uh, how has your life been? You know, we get into practice, we start raising a family, and then we're so busy that sometimes we get home and it's, uh, this is from a few years ago, as you probably can tell from the ages of our children, but um, sometimes we feel a little off balance. <laughs> uh, but our, our, our children need to see us home, of course. So what, um, what kind of self-evaluation uh, can we do? Well, we can break things into our, uh, an actuarial sheet, if you want, or a balance sheet. Um, what kind of things do we need to have in our physical balance sheet to take care of ourselves? Exercise. How many here feel like they get enough exercise? Good. Well, that's about a third of us. Okay. How many of us feel like we have a good, healthy diet that keeps us in balance? Okay, a few more. Good. How many feel like we're getting enough sleep? Okay. Uh, how many feel like our physical surroundings, our desks, our inboxes, our patient uh, care areas are in order? Oh, my. More or less, huh? Uh, electronic medical record helps a little bit, probably. How many of us are routinely on time to 80% of our appointments? Okay. 90%? Okay, not, not too bad. Uh, how many of us feel like we are living in a geographic, we're, we're, we're physically where we want to be living? We feel like it's a good location to live in. Wow, that's not a terribly high percentage. So sometimes, I mean, these are the types of things where we make We've made decisions, or sometimes decisions have been made for us, right? And 
um, some of these we, well, most of these we can take actions to change. Why don't you talk about this one? Why? <laughs> You're my spouse. This is the relational balance sheet. Because women are the ones who are interested in relationships. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm your spouse. <laughs> and uh, we have always enjoyed being together. Before we got together, uh, before we got married, we, when we first met at Loma Linda, we were friends. And uh, our friendship gradually developed until we got together and decided we wanted to spend our lives together. And we haven't regretted that decision. Todd is a wonderful husband. And um, we have wanted, uh, as a couple, we've wanted to have uh, time to spend with our family. And so we've made some decisions to try and facilitate our time together and to maximize the time that we have with our children. We have four, four children, all of whom we homeschooled. Three are now gone and away at school. They graduated from homeschool at whatever stage they were at, and we just have one child at home. Um, but we, so we've tried to use our home and family as a ministry and to reach other people and to uh, just be a blessing wherever we are. I think one of the, uh, the impediments to relational um, balance is selfishness. And um, waking up every morning and committing our lives to Jesus and saying, I'm not here to live for myself today, but I'm here to be a blessing, first of all, to my spouse and to my children and then to whoever God puts in my path. And then um, the father ordered Jesus day for him every day. When he woke up, he didn't make plans for himself. The father directed him. And I think if we are open to listening to the father, he'll be our teacher. Uh, one of the things I think is an impediment to our uh, being balanced is that we develop habits of imbalance that feel very comfortable. We've um, recently finished a stop smoking class with people who are smoking, and even though they understand that that habit is very detrimental, it's very difficult to get them into a, a more balanced lifestyle because the track they're in is very balanced. So for us who are dealing with situations where we might be out of, out of balance in one area or another, even if it is out of balance, it's still the most comfortable path to be in. And so what we'd like to look at today is what would motivate us um, enough to get out of the imbalanced path we're in, but the comfortable path, into a more balanced path. And why, would, why do we even care for balanced? I think the reason would be so we can, God can use us more fully to be a blessing to others. So when we're um, connected as we should be, with God and we understand his relation to us, then we can, then he can help us order our relational issues. I don't know about for the rest of you, but as a, as a healthcare provider, this is one of my big challenges um, because uh, when you're interacting with people who need help all day, you're talking with people, you're interacting with them, that's a lot of relational, a lot of emotional uh, investment. But then they're really not as high on, on at least on my priority list, <laughs> as my spouse, my children, my family, and even my church. You know, I want to see God's people thrive. I want to see the work uh, go forward. That's why we're here at Amen, right? We want to see progress. We want to see things grow. We want to see uh, people one to the kingdom. So uh, I think uh, that's well said, Patty, that really we need that time in the morning. And, and <laughs> as we're preparing for this talk, um, Patty said, well, 
I know how Phil would present this, Phil, Dr. Phil Mills. You know, he would take a story from the life of Christ and how he was praying in the morning and then go through a day in the life of Christ and all the challenges that came to him and how he would handle them. And, uh, and that, I think, is, can be a very fruitful study as we go to the Word. We can look at Christ and how he, how he modeled that and, and uh, pray for the same for ourselves. So close to the relational, uh, ideally, is the spiritual uh, balance sheet. How do we, um, do we, are we praying enough? I, I don't feel like I pray enough. Does anyone feel like they pray enough? <laughs> How much is enough? You know, um, and meditation with that, Bible study, and then service and giving. Are you involved in sharing uh, the, the talents that God has, has given? You know, are we involved in those things? And then outreach and evangelism, right? This is the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. And then, do we have our own mental health in balance? Have you ever felt so stressed that you feel like you just can't go to work in the morning? Anybody ever felt like that? Yeah. I've felt like that actually multiple times um, before I prayed. <laughs> But I found that, that time with uh, the Lord, Lord, I, this day just seems too challenging for me. You know, wait a minute, I'm a doctor. I'm supposed to go, you know, do this surgery today. I'm, you know, there are scary things that we do, that, uh, decisions we can make that can hurt other people. And uh, it puts us at some risk. So that attitude that we take, the mental attitude we take, uh, the professional study time that we need, right? Um, is anyone here t t uh, this weekend, instead of being at a CME or, uh, or a dental conference? Yeah, so there's these priorities we make. You know, what is, I need to be a, a good professional. I need to know my material, but yet I have these other priorities uh, that I need to uh, balance as well. Uh, one reason to uh, try and be on as secure footing as possible is because there are so many things that life throws you almost constantly that you don't expect. Um, accidents happen, crises come up, things that you don't expect, and you get blindsided by it. And if your hold, um, whatever is out of balance just in your routine, daily routine, the more things that are out of whack, I think the less able you are to handle the big bumps. But the more things that you have that are in a healthy routine, just the basics of eating, sleeping, and exercise, some point in this discussion, we're going to have to talk about not just priorities, but how to know when enough is enough. Generally, physicians and other professionals in our health arena see the bigger picture that's bigger than we are. We're driven by perfection that is greater than our talents, and balance is knowing when enough is enough, even though there is much beyond. And we need to speak to that tyranny. It's not just the tyranny of the immediate. When I have a woman about to deliver, I lose my other priorities, and she gains the immediacy. Well, life is full of other demands that seem to be now or never. How did Christ overcome that besides staying out of obstetrics? 
Do you have Do you have any thoughts? I'll wait for yours. Okay. <laughs> that one was thing Harry that Nelson. Me. Thank you, Harry, for sharing. Dr. Nelson, one thing that impresses me is that Jesus, often when a crisis was presented to him, he did not react as though it was a crisis. And he continued right on with whatever it was he was doing because he had a plan. He knew in three days he was going to get there and Lazarus would be dead. And everyone he, he would, knew the storm would be still. We don't right? have that gift, a prophetic gift of um, knowing the future, but sometimes taking a moment to stay on track or, or rethink before you react immediately to a crisis is a good thing. Anyone else have a thought before we move on? Yeah, this is a, these three. Uh, you, go ahead. That's fine if you have someone. The, the, the issue of affirmation, criticism, conflict re resolution, and handling crisis, I think are tied, they're kind of tied together. Um, how, many of you, how many of us enjoy uh, conflict resolution? Grab it, I mean, we all re enjoy conflicts being resolved, no question. But the process of having a conflict laid in our lap, either with a patient or with a coworker or with a family member, you know, it can all... Uh, in together sometimes. Uh, how many of us enjoy that facing that? Does anyone enjoy that? That that would almost seem like a pathologic condition, wouldn't it? <laughs> what's what's harder than um, facing or dealing with it is not confronting the issue because then you have to live with the ill feelings that you have or the lack of resolution, which is very wearing. And often these uh, things come out of misunderstandings and the Matthew 18 principle of going to the person or going with another person and talking these things out, then it's just the Lord is so good to work things ahead of time, even with hearts that you think are not possible to be softened or your own heart. God is very good. I thought it was very interesting when we got to the area of relationship that you gave the mic to your wife. And you, you have a problem with that? Yeah, well... <laughs> Brother, I feel your pain. I mean, I, it's one of the things that my wife and I have have benefited from so greatly is. Please um, introduce yourself. Oh, my so name's, people are listening. Yeah, my name's uh, John Schleyer. I'm a dentist from Dalton, Georgia. Great. Um, and my wife Kathy and I have been. Um, we were both on our second marriage, and uh, and I guess partly because of that, or probably totally because of that, in my in my part got really involved in um, the marriage movement and, and really understanding relationships and for a man to try the best we can to understand how women see things and how they feel. And then, of course, she's done the same thing, is tried to understand uh, us a lot more. So in, in this whole area of relationship, for a man to be able to deal with it more effectively and you know not feel like a fish out of water, to study... Um, go to go to conferences maybe do relationship kind of building exercises do you have specific you recommend i know, you know well we're we were presenting couple for uh, um, the uh, marriage encounter movement for a while uh kathy kathy has a uh, actually a big ministry in our um northwest georgia where she's involved with uh family um ministry you know in in all aspects you know premarital counseling and you know divorce recovery and all the rest of that but it's, it is, it's in the same way that you wouldn't go in and tr try and do a new procedure without being fully prepared for it. We mostly go into marriage. It's not as bad as it used to be, but you know, our generation and before went into marriage uh, with no clue on you know, how to react to one another. It's a, it's a bit and like uh, choosing 
a specialty. You have really no idea what it's all about. Exactly. But you decide you're going to head that direction, and then there you are. Yeah. So availing yourself of, you know, whatever kind of uh, information that you can get and, and relationship skill building um, type of activities is really, really important. And, you know, you, you will enjoy all of your relationships, you know, and it, it spills out into our relationship with our staffs, with our patients and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that, that is one, one area of trying to balance yourself that something that you can you can get a hold of. And for us men, we really like to, you know, be in control in some respect, you know, so this is something we can go and do. Right. We all want to uh, be able to accomplish something, right? You saw my first slide, right? A very male slide. So here, uh, it looks like a big balance sheet, and I'm sure there's things that we didn't put on this balance sheet that you might put. And does anyone have any others just that they... Uh, would like to throw in for discussion because we'll, I would like to further discuss steps that, that we take and uh, maybe uh, some of you have situations that you've actually been in and solutions that have come to you in terms of balance and we'll, we'll get into that as well. What are some of the barriers to us changing and to getting rebalanced, if you will? Uh, we have the inertia of the imminent as Harry was sharing with us, you know, what's right in front of us what has to be done now or we think has to be done now, does it always have to be done now? Is it really always that imminent? Uh, there are compelling crises, uh, again. Apathetic attitudes. Sometimes we feel like, well, I've tried this and that and it hasn't worked. I'm just, I give up on trying to keep my desk organized, you know, or whatever it might be, you know, what, whatever's out of balance. Uh, we may have relational challenges. We, we may have coarse communication skills. We're, um, we're not really able to connect with people as we should and keep our relational issues in balance. We may feel so discouraged and overwhelmed that we end up in dark depression. Uh, feel like curling up in bed and just kind of staying there for three days rather than trying to uh, approach the conflicts and, and the uh, challenges that we have to face every day. And then we have things that attack us, uh, you know, that distract us from the goal of of maintaining our balance. Uh, how many people have been sued? Okay, my hand went up, you saw that. <laughs> so I know what that's like. Um, we've all experienced uh, death or illness in our family, or our church family, or our own families, or our patients, right? If a patient dies and we're the caregiver, that's, uh, that, that, that is a distraction. It's an emotional pain. Uh, we may have marital issues, as our brother mentioned. Um, emotional distance, violence, separation, adultery, pornography, uh, all kinds of things are attacking the family and the, marri the marital relationship. We may have personal issues. Our own health may be an issue. We may not be maintaining our health. We may not be getting enough exercise uh, from the show of hands that we had today. Um, I, uh, one reason I appreciate my wife is that she will often, as I'm lying in bed contemplating the day, she will say, let's go for a walk. So we, around, we have about a mile and a half loop that we make. We can make that in the morning, take a brisk walk. And you know something? The rest of the day seems to be in a little better balance when I get that little endorphin surge, get that fresh air, a lot of those health things. So I want to just make a little note about um, distractions. We live in such a media-oriented age. Everyone's got their cell phone, their beeper, and their little Blackberry or whatever. 
and uh, there's texting and computer, television, then there's just the regular landline phone if you still have one. And there's all these different ways of um, intrusions. And I have always been very frustrated if I'm doing a task and then I get interrupted and I can't, I don't know, I can't listen to this and then do this. It's, I'm very poor at that. And um, I've been happy to find recently that there's research that shows that our brains don't actually multitask very well, that, that it's not really something, it's not an admirable trait to say that you're good at multitasking. What it is, you, you actually have attention deficit and you can stay focus, focused for short periods of time on different tasks and make it look like you're multitasking. So I, uh, part of, um, I think, maintaining mental balance is to get rid of some of the distractions uh, intentionally. In our home, we don't have a television. Well, we phys do have a physical television, but it's in the garage waiting to be sold. <laughs> Or yeah, given away it's an or antique model if anyone would be interested. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's just one, but the computer is there and we haven't gotten rid of our computer and anyone who has both would probably say the computer is a bigger distraction than the television. And so the question is, you know, uh, we, we've just read through the chapter in, on the talents in Christ Object Lessons and there's no talent that will be get required a more stricter account for than the talent of our time. And t time can be frittered away faster on the computer or, or more mindlessly than just about anything else. Oh, I wonder what this, you know, you chase down this forward and that forward oh, and this, you know, and then minutes have passed just waiting for the computer to boot or you lose everything. Anyway, there, um, maybe you would have some suggestions about how to uh, manage the computer time. <laughs> Now, those of you who are listening on uh, digital can't see the nonverbal language that was just communicated, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. Whenever I'm on the computer, I'm being very efficient. <laughs> and whenever my wife is being on the computer, I can't understand why in the world she needs to be on there so long. But anyway, that's just our perspective. You know, when you're in it, it doesn't seem like it's that distracting because you're doing what you think needs to be done. Um, now, in general, I think... Uh, probably a good idea is to focus on, um, use the computer as a tool to focus on the priorities, the, the tasks, or the balance that needs to be had. Whether it's relational, certainly you can email someone and keep in touch. You can uh, probably log onto a website and learn something to enhance your, your ability to relate to your spouse. I'm sure there's courses like that. There's certainly all kinds of religious programming. And in fact, um, the Life and Health Network of uh, your organization here of AMEN has its website, and there's certainly good material there, and, and it's uh, building uh, day by day. So uh, we all want the computer to be a good resource, but it's kind of like the world we live in, right? There are good things we can access, and there are a lot of things that can distract. So we just have to realize, get over the, the, uh, um, the technology um, euphoria. Oh, what new thing can I do on the technology today, right? and just take it as a practical matter. This is a tool, just like money, just like time, just like anything else. This is a talent that God has placed before me, and how can I use it wisely? Anyone struggle with computer time? Everybody got that under control? <laughs> um, well, if we want to be well-balanced in mind, right, and then in life, we need to have uh, peace of mind, uh, homeostasis, if you will, of our mind. Where do we get that? Well, we get it from God, right? Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou, who's that? That's God, right? Will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because 
he trusteth in thee. And I can testify that God is trustworthy in bringing peace of mind. He's brought me peace of mind when I've been out of balance many, many times. Um, but he's still teaching me. Luke 10:27, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind. A well-balanced mind is focused on serving God and also, it says, and thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, the Greek word for mind is dianoia. Um, it's where we understand, we feel, we desire. Uh, it's our way of thinking and feeling. And it's our thoughts, either good or bad. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about having a well-balanced mind. A well-balanced mind is, needs to be a renewed mind. Why? Because we inherit... A mind that is in some respects out of balance, right? Or maybe in all respects. The heart is deceitful above all things. Uh, who can know it? The carnal mind is enmity against God, Romans 8, 7. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And then Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that we may prove what is that good. That is, we may put into practice, right? Uh, we can show what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. In order for that to happen, we need the mind of Christ because uh, the, the mind that we inherit from our parents is not a renewed mind, right? From a human standpoint, we have the, the whole issue of um, Adam and of Christ. Do you want to speak to that at all? Um, we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, Ephesians 4.23. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2, 5. And, you know, it's one thing to have the text up here on the screen and to say, this is what needs to happen. It's another thing to experience a change of mind, right? A metanoia, a, a turning, and to think about things differently. You know, the world says that, in order, I guess the world's view is that a balanced mind uh, pays partial attention to self and then a token amount of attention to other people. But most of the magazines and everything, self, magazine, me, I, the world is pretty much focused on me and taking care of me. And uh, in the gospel, Jesus didn't come here to take care of himself. He came here to save us. And uh, it's a different kind of thinking to think of not living for myself but living to be a blessing always for others. And when we're trying to do this in the flesh, the flesh gets really tired of helping people after a while. And we think, okay, I've helped enough people, and now it's time for me to take a vacation so I can have some time for myself. <laughs> and while Jesus also said it's time to come apart and rest a while, so we need to do that. But the purpose of resting in Christ is different than resting for me. And resting in Christ is to let Christ renew our minds so we, he can use us again. I'm Melinda Scow. Um, one, one thing that's helped me a little bit with the practical side of this mind of Christ is the Bible on CD for my car. And for those of you that spend a lot of time commuting, it's amazing how often the very chapter I happen to pop in is, is dealing with an issue for that day. And, and, and instead of sometimes listening to other music or other programming or whatever, this, there's something about scripture itself 
that really uh, hits our need and, and keeps us focused on Christ. Harry Nelson again. I'm trying to say, how do you make it practical for Christ's mind to become our mind? And I'm, I'm looking at the mentoring model. We've used it in our profession where we choose preeminent surgeons, learn their techniques, try to copy their success in our own careers. Like it or not, we usually model the kind of family life we grew up in. It gets rather scary as we get older to see that everything we didn't like in our parents we're starting to reproduce. The question then is how do we move from the disordered life that may have been something we grew up in to the kind of mind in Christ. And I guess it's a matter of perhaps taking that thoughtful hour that we're told about and never find time for and say, if Christ is going to become practical in our lives, we're going to have to start studying his life as if it was being lived in our circumstances and say, how do these principles apply? How does he bring order out of chaos that we call, quote, modern life. We sometimes look back on the good old days as being peaceful because there was less pressure, supposedly. It was just different pressure. As I've been going through the desire of ages again and again, it's amazing how fresh the problems Christ faced are when they look at them in today's eyes. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Harry. In fact, uh, those of you who are listening on Audioverse uh, may want to go back to Thursday night's presentation with Dr. Phil Mills where he actually did that, took a scriptural story of Naaman and uh, broke that down uh, looking at leprosy and uh, practical applications to us today as we practice in healthcare. I won't say more than that because you wouldn't want to give away the, the blessing uh, or give it away ahead of time. But Harry, what you're saying is that we need, um, we need a solution to this, and one of the, solu the, the solution uh, may have uh, more than one part, but I think spending that time with the Lord in Scripture certainly is important. Yes. I appreciate that too. In fact, my name is Birgit Hosted, and one of the things that I always know I'm a little off kilter is when my children look at me and say, Mom, have you had worship today? You know, definitely a little child will teach, lead them. But, you know, just like we learn in science, without an intervening force, everything goes to entropy. And I think that is so true for our spiritual life. Just because we once had it doesn't mean we can keep it. And it certainly won't stay in order unless we maintain it. And, you know, that the difficult part, what you had said, Patty, is we're told to love our neighbor as ourself. And we don't hear very many healthy sermons on healthy self-love. That's not right. We shouldn't do it. We spend too much time there. But, you know, I think there is a place for nurturing what God has put in our heart. Because for my own life, I tend to be a giver. But if I don't allow that to be refilled by God, which when we're often giving, that kind of think, oh, well, that, that'll have to substitute for devotions today. We find ourselves depleted very quickly. And that's probably, you know, God is probably the king of balance. And yet, why is it so difficult 
to make that our first priority when we already know that that's the solution. It's like how many times have you told your patients just what you know is right? And they walk out and they don't take that antibiotic or they don't even come back. Or, so it's like we, it's amazing how we can be so impatient when we do the same thing spiritually that we're asking them to do. Right. There's two parts. There's a wonderful promise here in Hebrews 8 verse 10. Uh, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. That's us. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be a people. So we have the promise of God. Here's what he will do. This is an unconditional promise, if you will, from his standpoint. That is, this is what he is going to do. This is what he wants to do. However, we have 1 Peter 1.13, where we're called to gird up. It says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That means you have to gather things together. You have to, uh, to determine to do things, right? Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So in order to have a balanced mind, we can claim the promise of God, uh, but we also need to choose to take uh, what steps we can, understanding that all the power, all the grace comes from Him, right? I guess a simple little exercise that I've found that I have to do during the day when I'm busy in my practice and busy with um, all the other things that I'm trying to do, and I have spent that time, and there's times that I just forget, but I remember, oh, about 10 or 15 years ago, I saw this one picture of a wheel and it had all the different things that go on in our lives, just like you had up there. But I could, right in the center is Jesus' face. Oh, very good. And so when I, and I have to make myself, it's like uh, they say with go to your happy place or whatever. Um, I find myself, if I can look at that, get myself back and just see his face in my mind, then I can let those things get back in balance again. And I find a peace that comes over me. And I have to practice that almost daily, just remembering that picture. How, how many of you are familiar with uh, the life model? Has anyone read any of that material? Um, this idea of returning to a joyful place, knowing how to return to that happy place is integral to that. And it does have to do with knowing that we are unconditionally loved by our Father in heaven. And then we can share that joy of unconditional love with others. Lorraine? Yes, I was just going to say, I think one of the problems, and we may not even realize it sometimes, is that everything that God has planned for us, there's always a substitute and a deception. And every single other religion in the world also has a balance. If you look at things, even just their symbols, a yin and a yang. Right. And so the world is telling us, you can have a little bit of the wrong way and you know, and that's what is the problem. We think about, you know, just our all the things that relate to self, you know, self-worth and self-realization and everything instead of God's way. Thank you for bringing that out because the world's definition of a well-balanced mind is not necessarily what we're, it isn't what we're talking about here today uh, from the biblical standpoint. And there are a lot of uh, people in our community, we live in Mount Shasta, it's a kind of a new age community and a lot of people that appear to be very peaceful and they appear to have well-balanced minds. Um, and, uh, you know, when crisis comes though, that lets you know, as we heard this morning, uh, this morning's presentation, that it just reveals who we are, right? And we can't let crisis, we can't count on crisis to mature us. Uh, we need Christ to do that, of course, through the crisis as well. These are the two statements that we had at the beginning again. 
health of body and soul comes from seeing Christ and His redeeming power through the merits of His blood. And then, again, the Bible study is an excellent way uh, to have a well-balanced mind. Um, I did a little search in the Spirit of Prophecy on the well-balanced mind and tried to summarize the different uh, thoughts. Uh, we can gain balance by determining to serve and please God in everything, making His will our own. We can, if we cultivate and develop all the faculties and powers of the mind, so if we're more factual or more uh, didactic or we're more left brain, <laughs> however you want to say it, and we need to more be more relational, we can spend time developing those aspects. If we're more, um, if we're more, if we love exercise and we like to be active and we're a little mentally lazy sometimes, we can work on memorization or, or what have you. We uh, can develop equal strength of perception, judgment, memory, and all the reasoning powers. We're told to do that. Combine intellectual, physical, and moral culture. Improve the deficiencies. So do a self-assessment. Where am I deficient? Uh, what, can the, what can the Lord uh, do for me in the areas where I am deficient? And I think that's one of the purposes that God gave us marriage. Uh, because if self is dead, then our spouses can be our best friend in helping us in those areas that are weak. Not, not from a critical standpoint, but because out of love to help us. And we ought to be our best friends in helping each other grow because on earth, that's who we know each other the best. And we ought to be our best ally, each other working together to help each other. I know that Todd has been such a blessing to me because I had some deficiencies that I brought with me out of my childhood, character things, you know, I could be kind of scattered and... I used to have to, uh, and when I worked in my office, they got me a whistle that I could whistle, and then my keys would beep, <laughs> so I could find them. And so, um, God brought into my life Todd, who is so detail-oriented, and, and I would use the word compulsive kindly about making sure that everything is in place and that everything needs to be checked before we go on a trip. Well, that's who you want to be your surgeon. You want someone who doesn't miss anything. So at first that, that characteristic was kind of aggravating in him to me because it, I it kept rubbing against, you know, it kept reminding me of my deficiency. But eventually I realized that God brought him into my life to be a real blessing and help me. So now I just praise the Lord. Now I'm trying to learn to remember without him having to pick up after me. <laughs> And on the other hand, you know, you can be a very compulsive person, a great healthcare provider from that standpoint, but um, those of you who are involved in, well, you probably know people who are so detail-oriented, they can't be efficient or they can't get enough things done because, like Harry was sharing, they, they don't know when to actually make the transition. So um, my wife has helped me relax a little bit, become a little more type B at times, you know, a little less type A or however you want to say it. And uh, one thing that's really helped me is uh, Amen, coming to Amen and having um, uh, people, Brian actually was the one who shared his praying with his patients. I started doing that. You know, um, there's nothing like knowing that you're going to offer to pray for a patient at the end of an office visit to change the way you think about this patient. If they're a difficult patient, it's a difficult problem. If you want to, it brings your mind into a certain balance, if you will, to say, this is a child of God. I'm going to pray for this person at the end of this visit. Furthermore, uh, practicing, at least for me, practicing medicine in the context of that, of praying for my patients, of, of that, the spiritual context, I believe, we have better, I believe I have better outcomes. I haven't studied it scientifically, but, I mean, the complication rates that I remember 
that I had five years ago, I don't think I have those now. Um, am I more efficient in surgery? Maybe, I don't know. You know that's, um, but knowing when to move on, when to let something go, when to stay with it and provide every detail, that's very helpful. Wanted to pursue Patty's idea because typically in the professional realm, we're not used to the feelings of dependency. That's un-American. We're always wanting to be self-sufficient. But that particular trait is probably one that God needs to work on this heart, if not all American hearts, is Christ was demonstrating ultimate dependency on his Father. And by extension, he also expressed dependency on others. Even though he talked to Martha about her compulsiveness, he enjoyed her meal. He learned how to be dependent on others appropriately, and sometimes I think that's a lesson that I need yet to learn. Uh, other principles, we need to be temperate. Uh, I guess that goes without saying. In, in our time and our um, need for exercise, sleep, diet, keep our temper and feelings under the control of the spirit. In fact, that's the only way they can be under control, right? Is if the spirit is controlling them. Keep our heart and affections sound and healthful. Um, yes, we spend a lot of emotional energy connecting with the people we're helping. Um, we need to keep our heart and affections also uh, balanced at home. Maintain physical health and activity. Avoid amusement. Our family has been really strange because um, when Todd and I first were married, we had watched movies and stuff, but we had decided that if it wasn't a documentary that was a blessing or something that's actually true, then we weren't going to watch it, which rules out every movie that Hollywood has ever produced. So we have not raised our children watching any kind of movies. and um, They watched one uh, at a about five social. years ago at a church social. The Sound it, of Music. The Sound of Music, and we felt half guilty about that because we weren't <laughs> sure it was entirely true. <laughs> but, you know, the world has uh, creates very powerful images through the film industry, and that becomes people's type of what we ought to be like. And we thought maybe the word is a better place to go to figure that out. And so, so in, um, as part of preparing for this, Patty was um, kind of, we've been reading through um, Christ's object lessons or highways to heaven. And there's a, there's a chapter there on talents. So if you want to look at, at balance and how we live our lives, it's an excellent resource. And we don't have time to go through all of the details on these. But these are talents that are given to each and every one of us. We have the gifts of the Spirit that are given as we are surrendered to Christ. We each have a character. That's a talent that we're to guard and develop. Our mental faculties, our speech, our influence. Um, this picture is... Uh, a group at GYC, anybody there going out on those buses there? Remember that? Um, so as we spend time blessing others, we can develop talents, uh, talents of our time, our health, our strength, our money, uh, the kindly impulses and affections, uh, so we can keep those family ties strong. And um, I don't know about each of you, but there are, you know, when you're focused on training, there's a lot of things you can't do that you might think you'd want to do, talents that you'd like to develop. Uh, and even when you're out in practice, it's probably true. You have, may have a little more time out in practice. But there are probably things that, that you have had an opportunity to develop that you may not have known that you had 
skill at, things that are involved in service or helping other people. So again, the chapter talks about the, you, know, you remember the one talent uh, that was uh, removed because it wasn't used, uh, the talents that were returned with increase. One way to maintain balance is to uh, be willing to serve even if you don't feel comfortable having the skill set to do that and let God bless you through that. So uh, Don Latour, you want to? I just want to mix that comment in with the previous slide about time. And I, I, maybe you can help me or other people here too. That, you know, you're busy in your practice, you have your family obligations, and then a lot of church obligations become added or potentially could be added. Where, where, do you, where can, how do you draw the line is my question of doing good for people. And um, I, need, I need help with this. And, okay, well, uh, thank you. That's a great segue with what we want to do next, and that is move, move into the where we all want to get to, to start with is, at least I, not all, I, I like to move into problem solve. You know, what's the solution? Let's get to the solution. So we can talk about some examples, and I'd like each, anyone who has uh, something to share. My, your, my practice style for me has been, uh, an important way to maintain balance. That is, how busy I physically am in my practice. How much time do I spend there? Um, what level of uh, complexity am I willing to include in the surgeries that I do that require a certain amount of preparation? Um, how, and, and that's going to impact the bottom line, right? That, that if the, you work harder, you should earn more money, right? At least under the current medical, uh, dental, framework. It might not always be the case. We'll see. But um, so I've, I've chosen to limit my practice style. Um, you know, there are things I don't do. There are hours that I don't keep. And I've made an effort to make sure my schedule doesn't get out of control. Uh, anyone else have, ha have you had to adjust your practice style to maintain balance? Or have you felt your practice style taking things out of balance. Anyone have something to share on that? What steps you've taken? Mm -hmm. I guess you all know I'm married to Dr. Neil Nedley. And I said, I wish somebody could follow you from morning till night. Um, I think, first of all, it's a high emotional intelligence. And if you, you're not sure about that, go ahead and get some resources on that. Uh, because the ability to cope well internally with whatever happens through the day would really give you a great success. So the ability to have a high develop a high emotional intelligence, he has reduced his practice significantly to only seeing patients two half days in the office when you're talking about practice style. He has... PAs and nurses and people that can call in the office and handle everyday matter without ever communicating with that. And they know they're going to see the nurse, and they know they're going to see the PA or whatever. So by allowing other people and depend on others to do a lot of those things, you don't have to deal with basic, all those little things. And they have learned, he has learned to depend on others to do a lot of things. Uh, and then... Christ went around doing good, and how much good did he do? He went till everybody was healed in that town. So when you go out to service and do good, you're not going to say, okay, I'm going to quit at 10 o'clock. 
And his practice has been that when he gives a speech, he doesn't leave the hotel or whatever, the meeting room, till everybody has a question and has been addressed. And sometimes it's been very frustrating because the kids have other ideas of what to do with daddy. But I think <laughs> if you train early on that you do good and you do good, you'll find out the rewards and the satisfaction is so great that it doesn't matter if you lost two hours of sleep. At times, you have to do that. So that's what I I've, I've struggled um, like that with the needs of the family uh, in terms of immediate needs to spend time with family versus modeling what good conscientious service is. You know, and I'm sure other people said, uh, thank you for articulating that. I think it's very important not to let other people set your priorities. Ah. I think that uh, you and your spouse and your family need to come together prayerfully and kind of determine you know, what you need to do. And I know in my case, I needed to take off more time in, you know, than it maybe is the traditional way of practicing. Um, and you, know, you run into people, at the, we were off on Friday, and you run into somebody at the, uh, the diner, and they're saying, must be nice. You know, and say, <laughs> well, it is. Just go on. I'll give you an application to head on to school, and you can do the same thing I'm doing. But, you know, find out what what's the priorities should be. Set them and then um, not be willing to or not be uh, afraid to change that, you know, and just kind of experiment with different ways of uh, a practice style and different and not be afraid to uh, get back away from uh, particular uh, procedures that you don't enjoy that don't uh, fit your style. Paul Yim. Um, one of the things that's helped me and uh, it might help you is um, I have a 15-year-old daughter. We have an only child. But when she was young, um, we, we decided to look at her as dictating how much I take on. So when she was young, and, and my wife and I, we like to sing and do music. And so, of course, the church is asking you to join the choir, be the piano player, be the choir director. And then we asked them, well, who's going to watch our four-year-old daughter or three-year-old daughter? And they said, well, she just play with the kids. And uh, that's when we decided that probably that ethnic church that we attended was not the kind of church we needed to be at because we were at a different, le different stage in our family life and our understanding. So as, we, as our daughter grew, you noticed, uh, we noticed that the, thing, the activities that we could partake in would change. So when she was younger, there were certain activities that we would do, but then we would say no to all the, uh, those other activities that would take away from that. Is being a choir director a good thing? Well, the superficial answer is yes. The real question is when. Most everything is good in and of itself. That's, otherwise, you would already say no, right, because it's against God's law. It is good, but the question is when. Timing is of the essence. And as I studied Christ, uh, when was it not a good time to heal someone? There's no good time not to heal someone. But, but still, but God he, sometimes But he bypassed yeah. a whole lot of people on the way to heal a person. Why? Right because they weren't ready. The timing wasn't right. Exactly. And so uh, as we looked at that later on, as she got older and she started playing her own instrument, and then the church had a choir and orchestra, then 
we could join the choir at that time. What was okay, what was not okay at one time in our life is okay now. And we don't know, maybe that will change. Uh, as she gets uh, older to go to college, probably I could take on other things that might demand more time. Board meetings, B-O-R-E-D yes, meetings, board meetings, yeah. <laughs> board meetings uh, other functions like that, and that might help uh, some people. Yes, we too and uh, have focused our activities on our children. In fact, we have taken, uh, before some of our children have now gone away to school, okay, as Patty said, we homeschooled, but we have taken two, we took two vacations in our married life by ourselves. Everything else was with our children. One was when your mother died. One was when my mom died, right. Uh, so having a fo if you're going to have a family, um, not letting that dictate everything necessarily. You know, the children need to learn self-discipline and they need to learn sacrifice and being a blessing to others. And not, you know, every, everything's focused on them. I'm, we're not talking about that. We're talking about putting everything else kind of in the context of what's best for this child because our first mission field is where? It's our home. So thank you for sharing that. I strongly resonate with the, the last comments that were just made and also the comments before that about uh, the importance of setting priorities. We live in, in an age where, you know, we have all of the um, wonderful technology has given us all these time-saving devices that Patty was referring to later, and yet we have less time for meaningful communication and relatedness seemingly than ever before. I think that the setting of priorities is important and um, it is something that begins with our relationship with Christ because there are so many good things in this day and age, especially um, if we live in a, in a location that isn't remote, there are so many opportunities for learning, for participating in life-enriching, so-called life-enriching activities that, that can be life-enriching, but when we lack that balance, they can simply destroy our spiritual lives, they can destroy our families. So I just want to highlight that, that relationship with Christ and that priority of giving God, the first portion of our day um, is essential in keeping us balanced. Realizing that there is a time and a place for everything underneath the sun. There was a time in, in our lives uh, when my husband's practice, when his involvement in medical evangelism, in doing many good, excellent things um, were getting him the, the appreciation, the deep appreciation of many. But he came to a point in his life where he realized that if when he heard the words, where is your flock, your, your precious flock that I have given you, he was going to have to say no because he wasn't spending the time um, in getting to know his children and to model Christianity in a way that would make those children fall in love with Christ. Um, so setting those priorities and then realizing that after they are set, it's going to take constant um, effort over, over the months and the years to relook, take a look at the fruit of the, the lifestyle that you have chosen, the present priorities, is the fruit of the Spirit being evident in your life, in the lives of your children. 
Uh, if it is not, it is time to reevaluate, and that reevaluation has to occur on a regular basis. We have uh, made very painful choices over the years, and we continue to make them because just because you figured out your priorities once and and cut certain good things out of your life that you could have time for the best doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way. The fact that I'm here shows that it's a it's a process of a painful process of constant reevaluating. Thank you, Mrs. Neblet. And the Neblets, as many of you may know, are involved with the ministry Restoration International. Uh, seeking to bring this balance to the family. So I would recommend them as a resource. They have a website? Yeah. Yes? They do seminars, and she has, she's a wise woman, so avail yourself of the wisdom that's here. Yes, and she mentioned location. Uh, that's another issue where you uh, have, we have choices to make, right? Where do we live? Because that determines um, what, what our life will be like. Uh, we have good friends uh, who are uh, Mark Ranzinger and his uh, family, Mark and Ruth and their children. Uh, Mark's presenting at another seminar at the moment, so he's not here, but uh, they made choices in where to go in mission service and why to go on mission service for the reason of their family. In fact, they left one mission post, I, I think I understand correctly, and went to another for the purpose of finding uh, an opportunity to have a little more family time and balance. Is that right, Melinda? <laughs> yes, okay. So uh, the choices we make in where we live are important. Uh, we've chosen to live in the country where we can uh, have our children out playing in the snow with the dog and, uh, and we can spend some quality time shoveling and snow blowing. And so if you want to come see us, you might not want to come in January, as you see here. It's true. Living in an Adventist community, there's a whole lot going on. And we used to live in one, and now we live in a very small town, and nothing is happening. So when I go for a walk in the afternoon, sometimes a mile and a half can take me two hours for stopping to talk to all the neighbors in the, that I meet along the loop. So it's a blessing to be out in a, uh, in a slower, more country, rural setting. We're like salt. And uh, the Lord's sprinkling us around, and we got dropped way out in the wilderness in the snow. So, um, and that also, though, brings opportunities for service. So, um, you see our, one of our daughters here, Melissa, there with the Shearers. The Shearers, I don't think, are here for this conference, they, but they've been before. And uh, this is a project out in Dunsmere. We went with Better Life Broadcasting and went door-to-door -door and canvassed people as to whether they had exposure to that channel. And... Uh, gave them information and used that to develop opportunities to uh, have cooking schools and uh, various other outreach activities. Uh, the Stop Smoking Quit Now program that Patty mentioned. Um, mission service is a way to both uh, maintain and create balance. That is, if you leave the other things behind that are all pressing on you and you do something different and you go in a different service area, First of all, you see how a different society, um, this picture on the lower right is taken in uh, Tanzania, where we were actually on safari after a mission trip, but a medical opportunity presented itself in the vehicle ahead of us coming out of the Ngoro Ngoro crater. Uh, there was an accident, and so we had opportunity to be of service. But the, the mindset of getting out of your comfort zone, going out and doing something different, in a di even in a different society, short-term, long-term, uh, it really helps you get a, a perspective on resetting priorities and maintaining a balance when you come back. What's really important? How many have been on a, sh a short-term or long-term mission? A lot of you. Uh, do you view life differently? Do you view your practice differently here than when you left? 
I, th I think it's true for everyone who's, who's done that. So uh, anyone have any comments on service or suggestions for uh, opportunities for service? It's 1 o'clock right now, and uh, I think it's time to, uh, to end our seminar. Uh, thank you for participating and for uh, sharing with us. We hope and pray that uh, each of you and ourselves will maintain the balance that the Lord would have for us. So, Patty, why don't you pray for us as we close? Loving Father, we thank you for Jesus who came to this world to set our world back aright after we experienced a fall in Adam. And we thank you so much for what Jesus has done. And I pray for each of the families here and those who are listening that you will guide and direct in the plans and choices that they make. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.